We are back with another episode of the Tan and J-Man Show, or as I should say, I am back with another episode of the Tan and J-Man Show, as Tanner is uh, he's fighting some technical difficulties, so hopefully he will be with us here um, in a matter of minutes. But you know what? That gives me an excuse to talk some baseball. It's football season. We haven't talked a whole lot of baseball here the past few weeks, but uh, baseball is still going on. That is a thing that is still happening um, around the league here. We got... Um, my favorite team, the Cubs, are 22 games under 500. Uh, they have been officially eliminated from playoff contention. Um, that is how the season uh, we thought it would go, and that is exactly how it happened. Fishing staff has been terrible. Offense has been terrible. Uh, the whole thing has been terrible. But there has been continuous reports about the Cubs for sure spending this offseason. They've been linked to multiple fantastic players. Trey Turner at short. Um, Carlos Rodon, stud lefty pitcher for the uh, San Francisco Giants, former White Sox. Um, they have been linked to both of them. Also in the past have been linked to Carlos Correa. Uh, there's also been some Xander Bogarts uh, buzz. So I really think the Cubs are actually going to make a move for elite uh, type of players. They need a middle infielder, especially with the new, um, with the new um, shift rules. Where uh, guys can no shortstops can no longer play on the second side um, of second base or on the right hand side of second base, I should say. Um, so that should hopefully help um, get them an elite shortstop um, or third baseman. Maybe you can move a Xander Bogarts uh, to a third base, or you could move a, a Nico Horner to second, have a Carlos Cray or Trey Turner at short. Um, Nico has proven he is an elite defensive shortstop. Um, now, a lot of that has to do with him playing on the right side of second base because they shift a ton. Uh, so moving him over to second base, he could be a perennial type um, gold glover over there. Um, and he's proven he can hit, too. Uh, so that's been one of the uh, bright spots of the Cubs season. Nico Horner, Seiya Suzuki's second half since he came back from uh, the injured list has been fantastic. Ian Happ's had a great uh, year as well. And... Yeah, and it's uh, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, who have had really good years um, and developed uh, in the rotation. That's been a good sign. Hayden Wesneski, who they picked up in a trade for Scott Efros at the trade deadline. He's looked fantastic in his first 18 Major League Baseball innings. He could be a guy that uh, I think uh, what Jed Hoyer and uh, David Ross likes to do is ease some of these rookies in in the bullpen, let them throw multiple innings out of the bullpen. That's what they did with Keegan Thompson, uh, Justin Steele. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how they play that next year with Hayden Wisniewski. You have Caleb Killian as well, who was picked up in the uh, Chris Bryant trade last year. Um, I think a lot of those guys will start in the bullpen and then uh, kind of work themselves into a, a starting rotation spot. Um, guys under contract for next year, Kyle Hendricks, uh, Marcus Stroman are pretty much the only guys uh, that are on actual long-term deals and aren't just under team control. Thompson still under team control, obviously. They haven't been there that long, but uh they need to go out and get a top-end um, starting pitcher. They had one new Darvish, and they traded him away. Um, they have not had an elite starting pitcher um, since pr- probably Jake Arrieta. John Lester, I wouldn't even consider him an elite starting pitcher. He just had a fantastic 2016, as did the entire pitching staff. Uh, so they are lacking that true number one um, sort of pitcher. But they have been linked uh, to a Shohei Otani. Um, as a potential trade destination for the Cubs. Cubs finished real close to signing him when he came out of Japan. 
Um, I know obviously they have Seiya Suzuki, so there's probably some familiarity uh, between them. You Darvish um, actually um, told uh, Seiya Suzuki how great playing in Chicago and the city was, and that was a big part of the reason why Seiya signed uh, with the Cubs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, the uh, Shohei Otani trade talks go this offseason because there's been a lot of buzz about him there's even been a little bit of buzz about mike trout as well Artie moreno for the uh, la angels is uh supposedly looking to sell the team um and it seems like they'd want to keep those guys to try to uh help the price um of the franchise for uh, Artie moreno uh but uh i mean you look at shelly otani career batting he's hitting 265 in his career 354 on base, 538 slugging. That's a 140 OPS plus. John Carlos Stanton's in his career, 265, 355, 538, 141 OPS plus. He has been as good of a batter as John Carlos Stanton has in his career. Then you look at Shohei Otani's pitching stuff, uh, pitching stats: 3.10 career ERA, 11.4 Ks per nine innings. Max Scherzer in his career, 3.11 ERA, 10.7. Uh, career strikeouts per nine innings. So you trade for a Shohei Otani and you are getting a Giancarlo Stanton type bat in your lineup in a Max Scherzer type starting pitcher uh, to your rotation. He is, when all is said and done, he might be considered the greatest baseball player ever born uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff um, routinely. And he's, he's, he's making it look easy as well. Uh, so the um, Cubs would have to drain their farm system uh, to get him, but he is a guy, get an elite hitter, elite pitcher, all in one guy. Um, so there is, there's no doubt that every team in baseball should be interested in him, and uh, Cubs should be at the top of the list and trying their hardest to uh, to acquire Shohei Otani because he's just a ridiculous hitter. Um, elsewhere around baseball, the New York Mets and Atlanta Braves are in a heated NL East race. Uh, the Mets are one game ahead of the Atlanta Braves right now. The Cubs actually swept the New York Mets in New York um, last week, and they beat uh, they beat uh, Chris Bassett and uh, Jacob deGrom, um, two guys that have had, obviously, fantastic year. Jacob deGrom's best pitcher in baseball um, today, and the fact that the Cubs were able to put up three runs against him uh, is pretty incredible. But uh, Braves are hanging right there with him. They are. 36 games over 500, one game behind the Mets, as I said. Mets are 38 games above 500, 93 and 55, and the Braves are 91 and 55. Uh, in the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals are 87 and 61. Their magic number is eight to clinch the division. The Brewers are eight games out at 76 and 68. The Dodgers clinched the West already. They clinched it last week. Um, just dominant, dominant. Um, franchise there and it just continues as well it's it there's no stopping and there's not they're not going to stop anytime soon they're just a freight train and uh everyone else in baseball is trying to catch up to them and they just can't do it um but the padres still have um a playoff spot they actually have the second wild card uh, they have jumped the phillies um must have just happened over the weekend the phillies are two games up in that final wild card spot with the uh Milwaukee uh, Brewers, two games behind them in the American League. The New York Yankees are 88 and 58, hanging on um, there. They have not played good baseball over the past three months or so. Their magic number is 11. 
the Toronto Blue Jays are five and a half games behind them. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays are six games behind them, and the Baltimore Orioles are still hanging around. Uh, they are not in a division race at this point, 11 and a half games out, but they're still in the wild card spot, or they're still in the wild card race. They don't have a spot. Um, AL Central. Indians are playing some really good baseball. They had a chance to end the White Sox season pretty much last Thursday and could not do it. So the White Sox are hanging around three and a half games behind Cleveland Indians. Only 15 games left. That's going to be tough for the White Sox to uh, Cleveland Guardians. Sorry, not Indians. Um, it's going to be tough for the White Sox to uh, to do it. But uh, two weeks left. They, they have a shot. Um, I believe they play Cleveland as well. I'm going to go check their schedule real quick. Um, Let's see. The yeah, White Sox have a three-game set starting tomorrow against the Cleveland Guardians in, um, in Chicago. So that's obviously a massive series for them. They need to take at least two of three to stay in. If they get swept, it's over. Um, even if they lose... Uh, two or three, it's not looking likely. And then they, uh, the White Sox do have the Tigers for three. And then they have Minnesota for six and at San Diego. So that's going to be a real tough stretch to end the year. The final 10 or 12 games so are uh, real difficult um, for the White Sox. But uh, they've, they've just kind of hung around the entire season and they, uh, they're they continuing to hang around. Um, and honestly, they've played a lot better baseball since Tony Larusa. Um, has been uh, out with uh, medical issues um, to the point where I don't think Tony's coming back. Uh, ALS is pretty much locked up. The Houston Astros, magic number is two games. They're 35 games over 500. They're second best team in baseball. No one's really even talking about them. No one likes the Astros uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, they're probably the best team in the American League. Um you have wild card uh, implications. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays and Tampa Bay Rays uh, have two of the spots. The uh, Seattle Mariners are four games up on the Orioles. It's looking like, unless the Mariners have a colossal collapse, um, that the uh, Seattle Mariners will be in the playoffs for the first time since uh, since 2001, uh, Ichiro's rookie year. Um, so it's... Uh, it's good for them. Uh, the Mariners are really fun to watch. Julio Rodriguez, phenom, 20, 21-year-old um, outfielder, 27 homers, 25 steals, um, going to win Rookie of the Year, going away and looking like a future MVP type candidate for them. So he could be their version of King Griffey Jr. back in the uh, back in the 90s. So uh, baseball is uh, trucking along, and it, uh, it uh, is uh, – Getting the fun time of baseball, and uh, the postseason is always fun to watch, and especially when you have some new teams in it. Uh, not a ton of new teams. You'll have the Yankees and Astros and Braves and Dodgers and Cardinals, but uh, I'll be rooting for the uh, for probably one of the wild card teams in the American League to win it: the Mariners, uh, Rays, or Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Tanner is still not with us, so uh, I'm going to keep on trucking along myself. Um, I know, obviously, I can't do uh, birdie bogey or word association, but I can talk some uh, talk some college football. Um, pretty uh, pretty fun week of college football once again. I would love to hear. I hope Tanner hurries up because I would love to hear his thoughts on Purdue's uh, 
Purdue's epic loss. Um, they just continue to break his heart, um, break every Purdue fan's heart. Uh, he, <laughs> the uh, the Syracuse um, Orangemen, who were not projected to be very good, are now 3-0, and and they found a way to beat Purdue um, over the weekend by three uh, in a absolute heartbreaker. I think Syracuse got up. I want to say they got up. Was it 10 or so with maybe five minutes left? Purdue goes down scores. Purdue goes down scores again. Um, and then Purdue missed a field goal. Um, I'm going to go bring up the play-by-play real quick because I'm actually kind of forgetting it. But uh, it was a uh, it was a fun game to watch. Syracuse cannot throw the ball. Sy- Syracuse is one of the worst coached college football teams I've ever seen. It, it reminds me of the Tim Beckman days um, in Champaign at the University of Illinois. Dino Babers has uh, – not done a very good job there. He has a former wide receiver that is playing quarterback. Uh, they do have a pretty good they have a pretty good running game, and that's due to the quarterback. Uh, but their uh, their uh, quarterback could not throw at all. Garrett Schrader is his last name. Um, he was thirteen. Garrett Schrader. He was thirteen and twenty nine for one hundred eighty one yards. Did throw three touchdowns. He did run for eighty three yards. Um, Purdue. You look at the team stats, and Purdue should have beaten them pretty handily. Um, Aiden O'Connell had 424 yards passing. Once again, Purdue could not run the ball. That has been a theme of the Jeff Brom era. He has been, um, his, his teams just haven't been able to run. And honestly, it's what's preventing them from taking the next step and actually competing for a big 10 West, uh, title. Um, cause I, once again, against a terrible Syracuse defense, 2.8 yards per carry. Couldn't run the ball against Penn State. That's the reason why they ended up losing. Um, Indiana State doesn't count at all. But uh, they have to find some sort of run game, and I know that's not their identity, but um, you have to have a little bit of balance uh, there if you really want to take that next step. Um, but, yeah, they uh, they, fa- they found a way to lose um, a game once again, and it was honestly due to some pretty dumb penalties. I know their tight end, uh, whose name is escaping me, he had a terrible – penalty um after they it was an unsportsmanlike conduct after he scored a touchdown with about 50 or so seconds left Payne durham had a just terrible penalty uh so Purdue's kicking off 15 yards farther back uh than they would have and syracuse ends up getting the ball at the 50 to start their final drive uh with all three timeouts i believe and um they ended up picking up a first down off of a off of a uh, pass interference which is a really good call i know some purdue fans were Kind of complained about it. It was, it was a it was a clear pass interference, and then uh, Rondé Gadsden Jr., who was a sophomore, uh, his dad played for the Dolphins back in the early two thousands. I remember him very well. Um, had two huge touchdowns, including one with I want to say there were seven seconds left when he caught it, and uh, Purdue uh, found a way to lose that one. So they're sitting there at one and two. So they have to win out in order for Tanner's prediction of a ten and two record. Um, stands um they i mean they've only lost one big 10 game so they still have a chance and the big 10 west is brutal just absolutely brutal um as of right now i would probably say minnesota is the uh odds on favorite to represent the west in the in the um big 10 championship game wisconsin had a bad loss uh two weeks ago or last weekend against uh, washington state iowa's looked bad nebraska's abhorrently bad scotty frost um has been fired and we talked about that a little bit last week but then Nebraska gets their absolute doors blown off uh, by Oklahoma even if after they started up seven nothing um so 
Um, the Big Ten West is still up for grabs, and honestly, I think any team in it besides Northwestern has a shot to do a little bit of something. I think Illinois is legitimately mediocre, which has not been the case uh, for years. Um, they could get to six wins. But, yeah, Northwestern loses to Southern Illinois 31-24. And this is a Southern Illinois team that lost, that gave up 64 points and lost to Incarnate Word. Um, I forget the other team they lost to, but they got absolutely trounced by a non-D1 team. Then they go into Northwestern and beat them by seven. Uh, that's a horrendous loss for Northwestern. I think it's going to get real rough um, for uh, Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern as a whole because uh, I think they're really fighting a battle with the uh, NIL. And um, I th- I, it's it's, it's going to be rough for them to be able to recruit there. Um, great academics, but they just don't have that money support. Uh, let's see, Tanner's texting me. Uh, Tanner's finally logging in, so we'll see if he can uh, join us here within the next uh, few minutes. His, uh, his computer's on its way out, so hopefully uh, he'll be able to get a new one here um, soon. Uh, but as I said, Minnesota's good. That Co- Colorado might be the worst Power 5 team in the country, uh, but Minnesota took care of business, won 49-7. Wisconsin took care of New Mexico State, who's horrendous, 66-7. Iowa through three hours worth of lightning delays, uh, beat Nevada 27-0. That game ended about 1.30 or 2 in the morning. Um, so Iowa finds a way to actually score some points. I heard some. Uh, I heard something. Tanner says his devices are not connected on here. Um, but elsewhere around the Big Ten, Indiana found a way to beat Western Kentucky. They were losing the entire game. I picked Western Kentucky to win. Uh, Indiana forced overtime. I think they had to get a two-point conversion at the in the fourth quarter in order to stay alive, and they kicked a field goal and won in overtime to uh, escape the Western Kentucky team, whose uh, mascot I cannot remember off the top of my head. Penn State went into Auburn and just blew them out. I didn't think Penn State was going to win that one. On the road, SEC school, I, I just didn't think it was going to win, and Penn State proved me wrong. 41-12. to 12. Sean Clifford had a great game. Penn State's running all over the place. Uh, they have used the transfer portal really well. Uh, Penn State has. James Franklin um, has used it fantastic. Uh, their top wide receiver transferred. Um, one of their top running backs in the transfer. Uh, they have they proved me wrong. I wasn't sure how good it was. Uh, it's getting late there in Auburn already. I know. Uh, there's Tanner. Hi, yes. <laughs> if I knew we wouldn't get in trouble with the FCC, I'd drop the first ever F-bomb on the Tanner J-Man show history. Uh, your your audio is not sounding great. Um, Ohio State took care of Toledo, um, as they should. Put up 77 points, though. C.J. Stroud threw five How touchdowns. That sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. Michigan took care of UConn 59 Two nothing, and Michigan State lost uh, to Washington uh, by eleven. I think I picked that one correctly. Uh, how you doing there, T Dog? Mm, been better as far as uh, technology and internet and all that's concerned. Mm, yeah, yeah. I literally, I think, I think that was everything ready to go. I when I clicked enter to enter the studio, it must have my computer must have popped up an automatic restart update mm. right when I hit enter, and then I couldn't get Google Chrome to work. So yeah, that's fun. But we're finally here. I think uh, 20 minutes is the longest stretch somebody has had to uh, do the show by oh, themselves. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But you know what? I It gave me an excuse to talk some baseball, so I'm okay with it. Oh, good. 
Good. I apologize. Uh, I'm here, ready to rock. Uh, talk whatever <laughs> we're covering. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Uh, I was just talking Big Ten football. But do you have birdie bogey for me? Yes, I do. Uh, let me uh, bring that up here. All right. The birdie or bogey question tonight. You have a three-stroke lead heading into the night. Your boy uh, Tua had a pretty good game yesterday, throwing pretty, six, tu- pretty good. six touchdowns, one away from the NFL record, which is seven. There's eight guys who have thrown for seven touchdowns in one game. Eight guys. Oh, man. I want to know the three guys who have done it in our lifetime. Seven touchdowns. Oh, man, I have no idea. That's a really tough question. Three um, guys but, uh, have done it in our lifetime. I want to know. Three guys have done it in our lifetime. Um, Birdie Bogey brought to you by Noble Gnome LLC for fresh, locally grown, nutrient dense produce from Bryce and Katie Romine of Mentone, Indiana. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Instagram, and check out their website, noblegnomellc.com. I would like to hear your thoughts on uh, the Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday. Do I have to talk about this game? I, I, I talked about it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Purdue's. And during my lifetime, just constantly coming up with new ways to rip my heart out. <laughs> this was a new one. Um, I've never seen them lose a game because of unsportsman, mm-hmm. unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. And that's what happened. I mean, could Syracuse have gone all the way down the field with 51 seconds left, scored in one? In one? Sure. Do I think they would have? No. Um, but when you give them the ball at midfield to start things off, you know, after a Sportsmanlike conduct on Payne Durham, and then one on—I don't know if it was on Jeff Brom or the coaching staff. Nobody's mm-hmm. really, really said it was somebody on the coaching staff, but it hasn't really been said. Um, then it makes things really hard for you. Um, you know, I thought Purdue was going to get a still get away with a uh, hard fought come from behind victory. Third and ten, there was incompletion. Then they call pass interference. Then the next very next uh, plays, Syracuse completes their only completed pass on the drive and uh, scores a to go ahead and ultimately winning touchdown with seven seconds left and just kind of stole one. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Purdue really outplayed them most of the day, but uh, once again, Purdue beat themselves. Purdue could mm-hmm. easily be 3-0 right now, and they're sitting through three games with a 1-2 and record, which is just infuriating from a Purdue fan's perspective. But uh, here we are, backs up against the wall already, and uh, they got to get it going against Florida Atlantic this weekend. But – yeah, we'll see what happens with Syracuse the rest of the season. They're 3-0. I mean, they're a lot better than they have been, but I still don't think they're that great of a football team. And it reminded me a lot of the Nevada game on the road in 2019, but in different ways. Uh, Purdue just let a horrible Nevada team come back and beat them up multiple scores. This game was just more, you know, penalties, just, um, just a lot of stupid things. I mean, I could I could complain about some questionable officiating, but I can, I can do that in any – any sport, really. So I'm not gonna, not gonna do that. Um, just frustrating. I felt bad for Aiden O'Connell, who kind of, you know, he broke it with throwing his first interception of the year, which went for a pick six and got Syracuse up ten. But then he led him to touchdown drive with Charlie Jones. Purdue gets the ball back. Mitchell Finneran misses the kick that would have tied a game, 41 yarders. So I'm thinking, okay, game's over. Defense does their job, gets three and out. Aiden leads him all the way down on a great touchdown drive. I'm like, all right, he fixed what he broke earlier. He kind of had a Drew Brees moment for all Purdue fans out there in the 2000 Ohio State game when he threw four interceptions but came back and with a late touchdown drive. And then uh didn't matter because the defense couldn't hold him. But like I said, it was uh, 
more of the back to back unsportsmanlike penalties yeah. that you just you just can't have. You, you just can't have. You got to be smart. You got to be mature. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just frustrating. Purdue gave that game away. Yeah, um, yeah. The the penalties were awful. I mean, what Purdue kicked off from what they're the fifteen. Or something or like 10? that. Yeah. Maybe the 10. And I mean, they returned it to the 50. So you're already in pretty good spot to at least throw a Hail Mary if you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's going to be one of those games where you look back and like, how did we lose to a four and eight Syracuse team? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so. And Syracuse was one and a half point favorites going into this game. And they were a lot of national people picking Syracuse. So I really wanted to. Purdue to come out and make a statement. I was shocked at half when Purdue was only up nine to six because I mm-hmm. thought this was going to be a high scoring game. It ended up having fireworks. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, very very frustrating. I mean, I don't like this. Could be embarrassing to say, and I'll probably cut some heat for it, and I should because I'd never even want to say this. But I think Purdue's the best one and two team in the country. Oh boy, I don't even like saying that because that's stupid. To even <laughs> I'm not even trying to brag. I just I think Purdue is so close to clicking on all cylinders but yet here we are one and two and they just can't finish ball games uh i think jeff brahm's now 10 and 19 in one score games at purdue and in nine of those his team's been tied or had the lead with a minute left sounds a lot like scott frost it kind of does doesn't it so and there's a lot of purdue fans chirping i'm not one of those but there are a lot of a lot of uh, fan base he he needs to find some sort of run game we, I, I mean, I've been saying it for six years now, uh, and it's obviously never going to happen. Uh, but they win that Penn State game if they had any sort of run game. Mm-hmm. Average two point eight yards a carry against a bad Syracuse defense. Um, Got to just somehow. I, I don't know how they do it, but yeah, it didn't help that King Doru was out there starting mm-hmm. running back. Um, so really, I mean, your two of your next three guys are running are walk ons, um, and then a transfer. But I'm not making any excuses. I'm just. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just used to it. I've never really seen Purdue in my lifetime have a good run game. Maybe in 2003 yeah. when they had a guy named Joey Harris, but other than that, Tiller's teams, Hope's teams, of course Hazel's teams, and now Brahms teams have never really had a run game. I will say Hazel's teams weren't good at anything. No, no, no. <laughs> the only thing they did decently, they didn't get penalized a lot for whatever reason. They were disciplined. They were diff- disciplined, but terrible. So frustrating. Um but it is what it is. Hopefully they can bounce back and homecoming this weekend and beat Florida Atlantic, who's not very good. Two yeah. and two Florida Atlantic. So. Uh, and Jeff Brown was quarterback's coach there in 09, I want to say. I read that today. Yep. So yep. that's probably Willie, why. I... Willie Taggart's their head coach. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. Man, Taggart's fallen, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's been all over the place. Um, Any other uh, Big Ten thoughts from the weekend? Yeah. Um, Indiana somehow mm-hmm. pulls one out. Um, say what you will. I, I don't think they're a very good football team, but they're sitting mm-hmm. here 3-0. So I can't rip on them too much. They're getting the job done. They're beating teams that are on their schedule. Um, I mean, they could easily be 2-1, and one, if not 1-2 and two right now, and they're sitting 3-0. and oh. I'll and, go on record and say they don't win another game. All right. Uh, I, won't, I won't say <laughs> I, that. So. I, I don't know what their schedule looks like, but they have, they have not been very impressive. I know they go to Cincinnati this week. Mm-hmm. Then they play Nebraska. And then it really gets tough after that. Yeah. Um, but they're 3-0. Like I said, Northwestern's garbage. Just absolutely garbage. The West garbage. is garbage. The West is garbage. Um, jury's still out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't played anybody. I think we'll find out a lot about them this week when they travel to East Lansing. And they lost Mich- their top receiver today. 
Oh, did they? Over the weekend, Chris Ottman, uh, Bell. Ottman, Bell. I saw him go down with a knee injury. Uh, yeah, that, won't, that won't help Tanner Morgan. That goes to East Lansing this weekend, but Michigan State can't stop a sieve on defense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Washington absolutely exposed them. Um, Michigan looked awesome, but they're playing UConn. Uh, McNamara went out with an injury, so now they don't have to worry about a two-quarterback system anymore. <laughs> Penn State's for real. Uh, mm-hmm. Went into Jordan-Hare, uh, first Big Ten team to ever play there, and just slaughtered Auburn. Um, what else around the Big Ten? Um, don't really have any other thoughts. So. Yeah, I covered about all of it right before you got on. So And Notre Dame, um, Freeman gets his first win, but not overly impressive. No. Um, it would have been interesting if they would have found a way to lose that one. What would have mm-hmm. happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we'd be talking. Are they going to be make a bowl this year? Um, I still think we have jury. I mean, they are one and two of playing game yeah. left, but they they got a tough stretch coming up. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know who won Big Ten pick them. Um, I don't either. But I assume you did because I well, I missed Auburn. I think you took Penn State. I had Northwestern for ten. I missed Penn Western State. Kentucky and I missed Purdue. But other than that, all of it I got I'm, all of it. I had Indiana. And had, you had Penn State. So. I had Purdue, but I had Penn State. I had Northwestern. Um, I assume you won. But. Yeah, I think I did. Um, Big Ten pick them this week. Week four already. Can you believe that? It's flying by. I hate it. Every year. Um, Thursday night, we have the number nine in the FCS, Chattanooga, traveling to Champaign to take on the Illini. I did not know Chattanooga was that good uh, FCS in the FCS rankings, but uh, Illinois looked really good two weeks ago. Uh, I think they get done at home. I'm taking the Illini for eight. I have the Illini for five. I think it'll be dog fight. But Illinois has better athletes, really good defense, um, good run game. Should be able to handle them. But this is one they lose like last year. I've, I mean, they lost to Texas San Antonio last year, but they ended up being really good. So uh seems like they always have one. They lost to Eastern Michigan a few years ago. Uh, but I think they get it done. Maryland at Michigan. I, I thought this was the hardest slate of games we've picked so far mm-hmm. for the Big so Ten, far, which, which it should be. You're starting to get some conference games. Um, I still don't know what to think of Maryland. I haven't watched mm-hmm. a ton of them. But uh, Michigan can put up points. and the, I know they haven't played anybody, and they need to be called out for that. I know that you make your schedules way in advance, but I mean, when your schedule's Hawaii, UConn, and I can't even remember the other school. they Yeah, you, you don't learn anything about your team in those no. games. Um, but Michigan's got offense, it looks like. So uh, give me the Wolverines bully for five. I have Michigan for seven. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know what to make of Maryland either. They haven't played anyone either. So uh, Central Michigan at Penn State. Like I said, I think Nittany Lions are for real. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I agree. It, it really, really makes me infuriated that Purdue let let that one go week one. But because I think it's good, I think Penn State's going to have a really good year. I'm still mm-hmm. saying, I've been saying seven to eight wins, maybe nine. Um, now that we've seen them play a couple weeks, but um, so it's not awful loss by any means, but it's like they could have had a really good win. Uh, with all that said, Penn State for nine. I've Penn State for eight. Um, yeah, they're gonna be too much for Central Michigan. Minnesota at Michigan State. Really interesting one, like we we're talking about. Uh, Ottenham Bell's out now, so that hurts Tanner Morgan and uh, mm-hmm. in their offense. Uh, Michigan great State running got, game though. Michigan State got smacked out in Washington. Um, I think the Spartans bounce back at home. Give me the Spartans for two. I am hopping aboard that boat and rowing. I think Minnesota's pretty good. Uh, give me Minnesota for two. Um, although Michigan State should be fired up after uh, getting whooped. 
um, by Washington. Um, Indiana at Cincinnati. Yeah, Indiana three and zero. Cincinnati, I believe, has only lost one game this year. Arkansas. Yeah. Yep, and it was a tight one. So they're still really good. Fickle knows what he's doing. Give me the Bearcats for six. I have Minnesota or Minnesota. I have Cincinnati for six as well. Um, they struggled there for a while against Miami of Ohio and then turned it on, but uh, shouldn't have any problem with IU. That game last year kind of turned IU season around. Mm-hmm. Remember McFadden got a helmet to helmet, got ejected. They were up 10 or 14 points at the time, and then nothing was the same for them the rest of the year. Yep. Uh, Iowa at Rutgers. Yeah. Um, I don't. <laughs> Iowa can't score. I don't know what to think of Rutgers. I think Iowa gets it done in a close one. Give me the Hawkeyes for one. I have Iowa for three. Um, I think it's going to be a close game, 13 to 10 or something like that. Yep. Um, Iowa had to play till 1.30 in the morning on Sunday because of lightning delays. And I saw – actually, my dad told me he saw somebody put on somewhere. Uh, that's the only time Petrus is ever going to play football on a Sunday. Um, so, give me – yeah, give me the Hawks for three. Um, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Yeah, I didn't even realize this game was happening until earlier today when I was looking at this. Uh, yeah, Badgers, I didn't see them uh, through four weeks. Sorry, having two losses, but mm. that's uh, how I think it's going to roll. But uh, I'm only taking the Buckeyes for three, though. I have Ohio State for nine. Um, wow. I don't see any team going into um, going into the shoe and winning. Fair enough. So, um, Miami of Ohio at Northwestern. Two really good academic schools here. Um, I know nothing about Miami, Ohio this year. I know nothing about anybody in the MAC. I just know Northwestern is garbage. Mm-hmm. But I do think somehow they bounce back after <laughs> losing the Salukis. I'm taking Northwestern for four. I have Northwestern for one, so I don't have much confidence in them. But uh, I think they get it down there. I mean, get ugly I mean there. say they lose, lose out. Is Fitzgerald on the hot seat? He should be. I mean, you'd think. He's probably the best coach they've ever had, so they'd be they'd have a hard time firing him. But um, they they continue to get pretty good recruiting classes too, um, somehow. And I think I talked about this right before you got on that uh, I think they're going to really struggle with the NIL because mm-hmm. uh, there's just not much money support for athletics there. Right. Um. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they look here in five years. But uh, you would think Fitzgerald get a little bit of he he should anyway. Um. Yeah. Northwestern for one. Uh, Florida Atlantic at Purdue. Yeah, homecoming for Purdue. Purdue's first ever night game for a homecoming game. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida Atlantic got trounced by UCF uh, 40-14. to 14. I think their other loss is a three-point loss to Ohio earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. They beat Charlotte and somebody else. Um, I'm taking the Boilers for seven. I think, I think they bounce back. If, if yeah. they somehow lose this one, then, oh, boy, it's time to hit <laughs> red alert. I have Purdue for four. Uh, I don't think Purdue should have any problem with them uh, whatsoever. Hope not. Um, elsewhere, some top 25 matchups. We have number five, Clemson, at number 21, Wake Forest. It's hmm. a good one. Um, mm-hmm. I could see Wake. I think they'll keep it close, but give me Clemson. Clemson, seven and a half point favorites. Give me Clemson. Um, number 17, Baylor, at 3-0, and Iowa State. Iowa State is two and a half point faves. Right, give me Baylor. Uh, give me Iowa State. Um, number 20, Florida. This is game day at number 11, Tennessee. I don't like these guys, but give me the Vols. Yeah, Tennessee's 11-point favorites. Um, you know, Florida's quarterback after getting Heisman buzz after week one has been pretty bad. Um, uh, Richardson. 
Yeah, so I think Florida at the end of the year is going to be like seven and five or six and six at most. Uh, give me Tennessee. At least Tennessee fans can stop whining about the Music City Bowl now that they're off. Which the is start. pretty pathetic. They're whining about oh, the bowl game anyway. They're but a whiny fan base. They are. They are. Uh, number twenty-two, Texas at Texas Tech. Give me the Red Raiders. Texas is six-point faves. Um, Quinn Ewers uh, is out. Um, for a few weeks, so uh, mm, give me Texas. I think Texas finds a way to get her done. Should be a good one. Should be. Uh, number 15, Oregon, who put the shellacking on BYU over the weekend, traveling to 3-0 and Washington State. Yeah, I missed that one. I had BYU getting it done. They looked impressive against Baylor, but that was mm. at home. Yeah, Washington State's off the good 3-0 start. Uh, got luckier than lucky to beat Idaho week one, but then they had that great win over to the Badgers at Camp mm. Randall. But give me the Ducks. Yeah, Oregon six and a half point faves. Give me Oregon. Um, number ten, Arkansas traveling to twenty three. Texas A and M. My Canes let me down over the weekend. Yep, A and M got a bounce back win after that uh, bad loss to Appalachian State. Who got the hail mary game day victory over Troy this mm-hmm. past weekend? But that was awesome. I, give me, give me A and M. A and M's two and a half point favorites. Give me Arkansas on the upset on the road. Um. One more game to pick here. Number seven, USC traveling to three and zero. Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State's a team nobody's talking about, and um, I think they're gonna have a pretty good year. But Lincoln Riley's got something rolling there. Yeah. Give me USC. There's a few. There's a few teams that I think are better uh, for college football when they're good. One of them's USC, and the other I would say is Miami. Um, <laughs> And I'm glad USC is hopefully back to being really good, seven in the country. Give me USC. Well, and it'll make the Big Ten fun when they join. And the it'll make the Big Ten fun. I didn't even think about that. You see, UCLA only beat was South or North Alabama by a point. Is that it? Yeah. Hmm. Over yeah. the weekend. Um, that's also, all I have. Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame. Who do they have? I think they're at Carolina. At Carolina, give me North Carolina. Don't know at, anything about North Carolina, but uh, I think it'll be tough for Notre Dame. That was the, one of their four losses I had them losing in our preseason predictions. So give me, I'm sticking to it. Give me Carolina. They can't play defense, but they score a lot of points. Hmm. Um, do you want to do? I have word association. If you want to get that out of the way here sure. before we talk some NFL, it's actually NFL related. Uh, Lamar Jackson in his contract year. And so that got me thinking, what are the largest contracts in NFL history? Uh, so I have a few categories here. Uh, largest contracts for non-quarterbacks. I have five players uh, here, starting with Khalil Mack. He signed a six-year, $141 million deal with the Chargers. Yeah, he looks awesome for the Chargers mm-hmm. so far. That sucks for any uh, AFC West fan that's uh, not a Chargers fan, but uh I was still surprised when the Bears shipped him. I understood getting it off the books, but I thought he was going to be a player that was a bear for life, especially playing, you know, edge rusher or linebacker. That's a monsters of the midway type. But, uh, yeah, out of Buffalo, University of Buffalo, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a really, really good player, and I hate that he's in the AFC West. It's funny that all five of these guys literally just signed these deals, like, within the last year or so. Money, um, man. Business, yep. business, business. The next one's Devontae Adams, who's a five for 140. With the Raiders. Yeah, he uh probably a top five wide receiver in the league, mm-hmm. I would think. Um, I got some thoughts on the Raiders here in a moment. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, another one, AFC West. I, I, I don't like how this is this is trending here, all AFC yeah. West guys so far. but uh, There's another one coming, too. He, he will not be fun to play twice a year, but, um, yeah, he's pretty good. 
Uh, Trent Williams, who signed a six-year, $138 million deal with the Niners. I believe Niners. I couldn't have told you he would have been on this list. Um, but he's very good at what he does, of course. Yeah. Arguably Future Hall of Famer. Yeah, probably the best at his position in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I got some thoughts on the Niners coming up, too. <laughs> Joey Bosa, five for 135. Yeah, he's he's a beast. was a beast at Ohio State. Beast, beast in the pros now, and... Uh, Chargers got some defensive players, man. They, they let one slip away the other night. Yes, they did. They should have won that one. Mm-hmm. Um, last one here for this category, Miles Garrett, who signed five for 125. Another beast if he can keep his temper down. Uh, yeah. He's good at A&M's, good for the Browns. The Browns are smart not to let him even test the waters anywhere. He's a difference maker for that defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gives, gives the Browns a better chance to win every game. That's for sure. For sure. The next category here, I have highest earnings ever for a non-quarterback, uh, starting with highest career earnings, I should say, uh, starting with Larry Fitzgerald, who made $180 million in his some, career. Some of the best hands ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he barely ever dropped the ball. Classes, one of the classiest athletes you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Played, for, I like that. He played for the Cardinals only his whole career. Uh, his touchdown to take the lead late against the Steelers in the Super Bowl was, was awesome. Of course, mm-hmm. the Steelers end up. Winning with an even crazier play. But, uh, yeah, Larry, how can you not like Larry Fitzgerald? Nice hands, Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dominican Sue, who's made 166 mil. I don't know if he's playing anywhere this year. I don't think he is. I think he's a free agent. Mm. Or maybe he retired. But uh, Beast at Nebraska. I mean, he finished top three for the Heisman. That's crazy for Demons alignment. And then uh, was good for years with the Lions. And then was good for the Buccaneers. And then was, he was Dolphin too, right? Oh, yeah, a couple years. Yeah. Yeah, so, he was on their last playoff team, twenty sixteen. Okay. So yeah, good everywhere he went, but temper. Yeah, he uh, he he calmed down towards the end of his career, but yeah, he was getting a lot of fines uh, for uh, dirty play. Um, Julius Peppers made one hundred sixty four mil in his career. Yeah, he was good for the Panthers. Yes, um, he was. And a lot of bad teams, a lot of bad teams. Number two overall draft pick. I uh, was a two-way player at Carolina for a little bit, played some basketball and some football, mostly football. Um, yeah, that's a name I haven't th- thought about in a long time. Yeah, probably a Hall of Famer, I would say. I would think so. Uh, Von Miller has made $144 million. He's four. Oh, Von. One of my Bonnie. favorites. One of my favorites of all time. Uh, you know, part of me really wanted him to come back to Denver this mm-hmm. offseason because he's flirting like he wanted to. I think he was just trying to get the biggest payday he could and, Went to Buffalo. I'm like, they're crazy for giving him six years and all that money. But, boy, he uh, produced yeah. week one. So, we'll see what he does tonight yeah. against Tennessee. Uh, last one of this category, Julio Jones, who's made 140. Yeah, he's kind of having a resurrection so far this year, but it helps when Tom Brady's throwing you the ball. Uh, was as good as they come when he was on the Falcons, of course, with uh, Tennessee last year. Um, not so much, but – um, then my last category here, I only have three players in it. It's the highest um, per year money uh, for defensive players currently, uh, starting with T.J. Watt. I think he's making $23 million this year. I didn't write this one down. but Yeah, he's as good as a brother, if not better, mm-hmm. um, already in his young career. Hopefully he doesn't miss the season. Hopefully for Steelers fans and NFL fans in general. Hopefully his torn pecs not as bad as they think. They think it's only six weeks, yeah. which that would put him a Sunday night game against the Dolphins. So I'm hoping uh, he takes one go. more week off. Um, so, But so. he's a lot better pro than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, his start to his career is better than JJ's was. Um, he's just His sack numbers are ridiculous. Uh, Max Crosby actually has the second highest per year 
um, for any defensive player, the Raiders. Another AFC West guy. Uh, this is why the AFC West is really, really good on paper. Um, yeah, he's a good story with him. Um, he's one guy. He's not flashy by any means. Just gets the job done and another good defender. Yeah. Um, and then last one here, maybe the greatest defensive player of our generation, Aaron Donald. Yeah, beast. Um, just make sure you don't get a helmet in his hand. He might hit somebody during practice. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason he's double teamed, if not triple teamed, every game because he's just he can take over a game unlike any defensive lineman I've yeah. ever seen. Especially defensive tackle. You don't see defensive, yeah, defensive tackles tackle, take I it over. Say. Sometimes Ed rushers yeah, but, can, uh, but. Yep. That's going to do it for Word Association this uh, week. And the Word Association segment is brought to, be, brought to you by, like it is every week, Proforma Print 2 Promo Group. If you're looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for your next trade show, company picnic, or sales meeting, they have over 50 years combined experience in promotional products and commercial print. They strive for a fast and efficient response to all your print needs. You need to look no further. Let them be your one-source print and promotional company today by giving Barbara Van Weinsberg a call at 574 210 one five. You want to get educated real quick before Let's we end the program with some uh, NFL talk. I'll get through these pretty quickly. Uh, sporting events on this day on September 19th. Let's see here. On this day, 1947, a guy named Jackie Robinson was named the 1947 Rookie of the Year. It's pretty good. Pretty good. On this day, 1955, Cubs slugger Ernie Banks hit record fifth Grand Slam of the season. He was also pretty good. He wasn't bad at all. Um, on this day, 19, 1973, Frank Robinson uh, of the Angels at the time homered in a record 32nd Major League ballpark. It was the Arlington Stadium against the Rangers. He was also very good. Hall of Famer. <laughs> he was. Um... On this day, 1992, Barry Bonds joined Willie Mays, Howard Johnson, and Ron Gant as having two 30-home run, 30-steal seasons. Anytime you can get on a list with Ron Gant, it's pretty dang good. On this day, 1993, Tom Glavin won 20 games for the third straight season. How do they build a pitching staff like that? It's ridiculous. Part of that is because the Cubs' stupidity for not signing um, Greg Maddox. On this day in 2000, Ken Griffey Jr. pinch hit for his 400th home run, becoming the first major league player to reach the mark as a pinch hitter. Yeah, good old steroid guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Heat's coming your way on that one. On this day in 2004, the Ryder Cup was played at Oakland Hills Country Club as Europe retained the cup, winning 18.5 points to the U.S.'s 9.5. The, vic- the victory margin was the largest by a European team in the history of the event. This week is the President's Cup, which... Really doesn't feel like a big deal now that so many guys that would be participating are on the live tour. Uh, on this day in uh, 2004, NFL Oakland Raider wide receiver Jerry Rice ended an NFL streak of 274 consecutive games with a reception in a 13-10 victory over the Bills. I actually watched him play live uh, for the Raiders wow. at Indianapolis. Yeah, Sunday wow. night game. On this day in 2008, Greg Maddox pitched his 5,000th career inning against the San Francisco Giants. That might not ever be touched. And on this day in 2017, a new MLB record for most home runs in a season, home run number 5,694 was hit by Alex Gordon of the Kansas City Royals. 
And that'll do it for the uh, On This Day, which is brought to you by, like it is every week, Mooney Woodcrafts. Mooney Woodcrafts is a veteran-owned and operated custom woodcraft shop based out of North Carolina with Indiana grassroots. They provide 100% hand-cut custom designs that fit your needs, from signs at the growth charts, their custom prices, custom pieces make a great addition to any home, office, or man cave. To see some of their Recently completed projects, visit at Mooney Woodcrafts on Instagram and Facebook. For orders, contact them at MooneyWoodcrafts at gmail.com. And maybe he will give you a custom price. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, this episode is brought to you by The Dam Landing. Whether you want an epic beer, hand-tossed pizza, hand-bread, turn seafood, craft beer, or a hand-crafted cocktail, The Dam Landing is the place to be. Dam Landing is a bar and grill located on beautiful Lake Mantle. Focused on freshness and quality. You can wash down their delicious foods when there's 16 beers on tap with Constant rotation of today's best microbrews and domestic flavors, or a handcrafted cocktail made using fresh ingredients. Taking the fantastic views of Lake Manitant in their beer garden or outdoor bar area, whether it be boats or wheels, the Dam Landing is the place to be, located 1305 Ewing Road in Rochester. Three winners, three losers. This was tough. Mm-hmm. This was tough because you could pick a lot. And I actually have five losers written down. <laughs> I almost but- did too. But uh, we'll start off with winners, and I know this is one of yours. It's got to be one of yours. It's your Miami Dolphins yeah. scoring the Ravens 28-3 to in the fourth quarter. I did not get to watch uh, much NFL yesterday, so I heard that the game was crazy, and then I saw highlights during the, the Denver game at halftime of the Denver game. I'm like, holy cow. I, I had to go to see what Mundog16 was mm-hmm. tweeting and uh, some good stuff there. Yeah, so NFL streaming – was down for like an hour. So I didn't watch from about two minutes left of the second quarter until like eight minutes left of the fourth quarter. It was completely down for, for everyone, except unless you had direct TV and were watching it on an actual TV. Um, so I missed a lot of them getting down by, <laughs> by 21. Uh, luckily it came back. It was 35, 21, with eight minutes left and I, and they had the ball and I'm like, you know what? This feels, this feels okay. And uh, this, that's why you trade for Tyree kill goes over the top 48 yard touchdown. Dolphins get a stop next, next drive, 59 yard touchdown um, speed kills, man. Uh, he is fastest receiver in the NFL, arguably. And then you pair him with a Jalen Waddle. Who's also one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. Um, that, that wide receiving core is just explosive. Uh, they were the first duo ever uh, to have 10 catches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns in the same game. A first duo in NFL, wide receiver duo in NFL history. First time Dolphins have had 250-yard receivers in the same game since Clayton and Duper in 1986. Um, that second half was Marino-esque by Tua, 24 for 30. Over 300 yards, five touchdowns. His um, fourth quarter, he was 13 for 17, 199 yards, and four touchdowns. It was one of those games uh, they tied it, and I was pumped, and they gave up a field goal. Credit the defense for holding Lamar to a field goal because they hadn't been able to stop him all game. And then Dolphins got the ball back, and for the first time in my entire life watching the Dolphins, I thought there is no way the Dolphins are losing this game. The offense is rolling. Um, it, it was the kind of feeling how I'm sure Colts fans had watching Peyton Manning or New England Patriots fans had watching Tom Brady. It just felt like there's no way the Dolphins were losing, and – uh Tua proved a lot of people wrong yesterday, including me. I even tweeted during the game when they got down 21 that um, they're a for sure playoff contender with two as quarterback. There's no way they can win shootouts against guys like Mahomes and 
Josh Allen and those type of guys. And then Tua goes out there, throws for far, 470 yards and six touchdowns. Um, just massive win for them. Baltimore's been a house of horrors. Uh, the team playing Baltimore has been a ha- uh, just brutal for them. Lost in Baltimore 38 nothing back in 2016. 2017, they lost in Baltimore 40 nothing. <laughs> they were outscored 78 nothing um, over two games uh, in the mid 2010s. And then opening game 2019, they lost in Miami to Baltimore 59 to 10. So it was just massive, massive win for them. And uh, Tua is now eight and one in his career against Super Bowl winning head coaches. He, um, when targeting Tyreek Hill in the fourth quarter, Tua went five for five, 142 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, just targeting him. So I uh, feel obviously unbelievable. His first team, a team had been down 21 in the fourth quarter and came back and won since 2011. Um, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, but uh, it looks like the Dolphins absolutely nailed their head coaching hire in Mike McDaniel. I've never heard you speak this positive about Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I don't think ever, especially two weeks into the season. So. Yeah. I, I felt good coming into the season, uh, but just the way their offense is played, because I think their defense will be fine because they have the track record. But uh, I don't – don't I'm just taking it day, week by week. <laughs> now we need to – on the Tan and J-Man show socials, we need to get a video of you doing the waddle. Um, no, thank you. I think, I think I'll pass on that one. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Second winner for me, the Arizona Cardinals. Hunt around, hunt around. Found a way to get a last-second touchdown. Got the two-point conversion. Went to overtime. Looked like they're going to lose. Uh, Hunter Renfro coughs up the ball. And mm-hmm. Stupid score for the W. Talk, talk about a team finding a way to lose. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders, which they, they are one of my losers. Uh, that was a game Mine they, too. they should not have lost, and they found a way. Glad so. Josh McDaniel still can't uh, be yeah. a good head coach. I know it's only two weeks in, but uh, I mean they were running the ball well. Then he goes away from that, and then when they need to pass, I mean, you got – Renfro, you got Waller, mm-hmm. you got Adams. Then he runs the ball. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's Joshy McDaniels for you. Um, my other win, one of my other winners, the New England Patriots find a way to win in Pittsburgh. Uh, New England needed that, and unfortunately, they got it done. Yeah, um, that was a tough one to predict last <clears throat> week. Uh, but like I said, the Patriots got it done, and against Steelers, uh, Steelers got to win low scoring games because Trubisky's not gonna. Yep. win any shootouts and new england has to win low scoring games as well because mac jones can't either so pretty True. similar quarterbacks actually my last winner is san francisco 49ers uh, trey lance goes out for the season with a ankle injury but jimmy g has to be the best backup in the league comes mm-hmm. in and played pretty well um we'll see how he does against denver this sunday night on nbc but uh he might give him a better chance to make the playoffs i agree i agree um speaking of backups um, the Dolphins going back to the Dolphins Ravens, that would have been a game that Brian Flores put Teddy Bridgewater in at halftime. Yeah. So true. Uh, my last winner, Dallas Cowboys find a way to win against the Cincinnati Bengals who are in trouble. In my opinion, that offensive line is miserably bad. Um, yeah. and, and Joe Burrow's not, um, completely absolved from any sort of fault either. He's part of the reason why he's getting sacked seven times. Sure. Uh, but uh, Cowboys found a way to get it done with Cooper Rush, my quarterback. Yeah, Cooper Rush, man. I, uh, I'm i sure Skip was on cloud nine this morning. <laughs> uh, losers. Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Yep. You Not only were you lucky to tie against the Texans, which I think is one of the worst teams in the league, and mm-hmm. I think this Jacksonville team's improved. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, they spent like $330 million on free agents, but uh, – 
you go down to a team you lost week 17 last, or week 18 last year that if you win, you're in in the playoffs. So you know, you know, all these things, Ursay blames it on so-and-so. They get rid of Wentz. It's talked about all offseason. Then you get blanked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely blank down in Jacksonville, House of Horrors for Indianapolis, and now Kansas City's coming into town this week for your home opener. Things not going good for Frank Reich in yep. Indianapolis or good old Matty Ice either. I'll go on record and say Reich won't last the season, um, and a majority of the U.S. is going to get that Chiefs Colts game instead of Dolphins Bills, um, which makes me mad. But uh, it's the Chiefs effect. Yep, it is the Chiefs effect. Uh, yeah, Colts twenty-four nothing. The trade for Matt Ryan I thought was dumb to begin with. Uh, they they need to not trade for veteran quarterbacks because it hasn't worked for them. Yeah. Um, Let's take a timeout real quick. I know we're running down on time for the, the TV viewers. I want to make sure we get birdie or bogey. Okay. But um, if you want to – if you're watching the IC Sports Network, you can flip over to the Tan Jamin Show Facebook page or tune in to any of – wherever any podcast platform, wherever you get your podcasts at – and you can listen to the rest because we're going to have competent points, picks, and the rest for our losers. But I want to make sure I get this in for everybody here. So, uh, birdie or bogey? I have no idea. There was uh, eight guys who have thrown seven mm-hmm. touchdowns in a game in NFL history. Who are the three guys who have done it in our lifetime? Uh, Peyton Manning. Yes, did it against the uh, Ravens in 2013. I remember that. I want to say Ben Roethlisberger did it. He did not. Okay. He, I know he was one of the guys with six. Um, Brett Favre, no. Kerry Collins, I don't know why nope. his name came to mind. Let's <laughs> give me a bogey. Drew Brees did it in twenty fifteen, fifty two forty nine win over the Giants. Oh, that was a great game. I remember that game. And Nick Foles did it on the Eagles in twenty thirteen. Wouldn't even thought of Nick Foles. So thought Nick Foles three. only played well in Super Bowls. <laughs> those are your three. So back to a two stroke lead for you. Yeah, the moment you gave me that question, uh, it's, go- it's not going to go well. I remember Peyton doing it, but yeah. that was a Season good question. Opener. Mm. Um, what is one of your other losers? Well, I got a lot of them written down here. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm going to kind of throw all three of these into one because we already talked about all three of these teams. Bengals, Raiders, Ravens, all three into one. We've already gave our thoughts. So. I've, I have the Chargers and Raiders. Um <laughs> Chargers and Justin Herbert for some reason gets a pass, uh, throwing a terrible pick six. Uh, They're going in, I think, to take the lead, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and they might have won that game if Tua would have done that. It would have been game over for him. Media would have completely turned on him. But Herbert, for whatever reason, gets a pass. Uh, they they are a loser. They they needed to show that they can beat the Chiefs, and they did. And then they found a way to not do it because Herbert threw a terrible interception. And then the Raiders. Um, that was a choke job. That was as big of a choke job as uh, the Ravens had yesterday. Yep. Yep. My last one, um, even though they got the win yesterday against the Texans, the Broncos this past week, their game management, time mm. management, it's embarrassingly bad. <laughs> I mean, when, when, my, when my girlfriend, who's really learned a lot about football, and, she, and she's enjoying it. She goes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad your girlfriend's trying to learn yeah. about football instead she of goes, taking a nap. She goes, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, when – I mean, that's four delay games in two mm-hmm. weeks. That ties them for their most for a season in the franchise history. They had two all last year, and it got so bad yesterday, the crowd started chanting when it got to 10 and counting down like they do in shot clock for, for college basketball. <laughs> and you're like, uh, that's like something's just off. I don't, yeah. I can't pinpoint it. I mean, it's, 
I think a little bit it's not playing the guys in the preseason. Mm-hmm. A little bit, of course, Russ Wilson learning a new offense with a new team. But, you know, Nathaniel Hackett says all the right things. And I know he's a rookie head coach, but it's like, dude, you keep this stuff up. Like, you got to get yeah. – this guy's shaping up quick. I mean, yeah, um, wow, it's just I, terrible. I know they've won a game, but uh, would you categorize the first two games for Hackett as a disaster? Yeah, uh, you're playing two of the worst teams in the league. They should be 2-0. and I mean, they played awful against yeah. Seattle. Should be 2-0. and I will say this offense is pretty darn good in between the 20s. Uh-huh. But when they get in the red zone, let they have control on Matt, and I have a better chance to score. I saw a stat. They've ran 22 plays in the red zone, have scored zero touchdowns, and turned the ball over twice. I mean, one time on third and inches, they tried a lateral – an option play to Andrew Beck, their fullback, <laughs> who looked like he was going to pitch it backwards. <laughs> it's like, why are they getting cute? I mean, they were averaging seven yards per um, carry last, yesterday with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Run this stinking ball. And don't run out of a shotgun. Run under eye formation. Did um, Hackett call plays in Green Bay? Yeah. Did he? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was the Joe Philbin effect. Well, he was... I say that the three years. Maybe LaFleur ultimately did, but I know he called plays in Jacksonville for a while before that. Okay. So when, when when they went to the AFC Championship with Bortles and lost to gotcha. England. But okay. this is supposed to be offensive guru, and, and I still like the guy. I mean, I'm still willing to be patient. Uh-huh. But holy cow, man. They're lucky they played the Texans yesterday. But yeah. like I said, yeah. they should be 2-0, and and I'm embarrassed they're not. <laughs> Defense is playing well, and, and thank goodness – you know, Jerry Judy and Patrick Sertan go out yesterday. Thank goodness they both are day to day because mm. if they would yeah, have lost them ugly. like Justin Simmons for four weeks, oh boy. Yeah. Um, you want to pick some games here real quick? Yep, let's do it. I uh, the J Man has won the belt once again. He's just a uh, he's he, he's an elite game picker. Um, I will. That's so, why you're gonna definitely get some eyebrow razors uh, out of yeah. tan this week because my strategy is just. I'm switching Different. everything up. I got I got My strategy's not working. I got to go way off the cuff this week. So that's what we're doing. Starting with the Thursday night game, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Got the Steelers for 10. I have the Steelers for six. Um, ah, I thought I was going with the. <laughs> no. Uh, talk about a choke job. Browns are up 13 with two minutes left and found a way to lose to the Jets. That's as bad as it gets. It could get Joe Flacco, there. man. He's elite. Uh, he's elite. Um, Houston at Chicago. Talk about a terrible matchup. Give me the Bears for 15, J-Man. Oh, 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 man, I got the Bears for seven. That's why uh, I'm saying we're going yeah. off the cuff this week. I like it. Um, and, and stop putting the Bears and the Packers on national television. Please stop putting the it, Bears it, it, for one. You could, you could put in any other Bears at Lambeau game from the last eight years. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, it, it looked... Identical to every single other one. Rodgers has now beat the Bears 23 times, tying far for the most in franchise history. Bears for seven. Um, Vegas Raiders at the Tennessee Titans. Titans for 14. I have the Raiders for two. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I threw my strategy out the window this week, and I'm trying something completely different. It's going to go Titans great or it's going to go awful. Yeah, I, I think the Titans are bad, but uh, – I think the Titans might end up winning now. That we haven't even seen them play tonight yet. They could be no. the Bills. They're yeah, not going they to, be but they could. Uh, Did you know the Bills – sorry to interrupt you. That's the okay. Bills have lost their last four Monday night home games. Last time they won one was 94 against 94. the Broncos. Yeah, I saw that today too. That's crazy. Um, Kansas City Chiefs at the Indianapolis Colts. Chiefs for 16. 
Chiefs for 16. I agree. Sorry, Colts fans. I, I've picked <laughs> I think two weeks ter- in a yeah. row, and you looked awful. I think the Colts are terrible. Prove me um, wrong. Prove me wrong. Buffalo at Miami. Biggest game in Miami in a long time. I really wish I could pick this game after I watched Buffalo tonight because mm-hmm. I, I mean, your Dolphins look awesome so far, but I love the way the Bills looked, and I got the Bills as my Super Bowl winner. So I'm going Bills for four. I, I picked this one with my heart. Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> you have to. I have the Miami Dolphins for one. Uh, Dolphins have not played well against the Bills. I don't think they've beaten the Bills since Josh Allen's rookie year, and it was in Miami. Um, I I honestly don't think the Dolphins will win, but uh, I tried to go with my heart with that one. Dolphins for one. I like it. Uh, Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings play tonight against Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Detroit looked pretty good yesterday. Offense looked good. The Commanders could have been a loser. They stink. Yeah. Um, Vikings for 12. I have the Vikings for eight. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at the New England Patriots. One of the harder games for me to pick. Um, but I'm taking the Ravens for two. I have the Ravens for nine. All right. Um, yeah, I think the Ravens handle them pretty easily. Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. The Cincinnati Bengals are in trouble, like you said, but I think they bounce back. I got them for eight over the Jets. If they lose this game... Hit the panic button, Cincinnati. Yes. You're back to the old Bengals again. And then it's Dolphins at Bengals Thursday night, the next Thursday. Uh, so Bengals need this one. Mm-hmm. Um, give me the Bengals for 15. I think the Jets Ooh. are trash, but uh, found a way to get it done yesterday. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Commanders. Give me the Eagles for nine. I have the Eagles for 14. I think your strategy might be backfiring a little bit because uh, – or it's evening out a little bit. Yeah, it started um, off hot. <laughs> New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. I think both suck. Yeah, the the Saints Buccaneers might be the most heated rivalry in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Those teams hate each other. Lattimore and Evans got another fight. Evans suspended one game against the Packers, um, unless unless he wins his appeal. Lattimore didn't get any suspension, which I was surprised. I thought they both deserved a game, but uh, I don't think. I hate this pick, but give me the Panthers for five. Wow. I have the Saints for five. Um, I think Matt Rule is not going to last the year. They uh, Neither watch, team's good. I think Panthers for, are a bottom three team in the NFL. Watch for him to be Nebraska's next head coach. That'd be interesting. He did a really good job at Baylor. I'll say that. Uh, Jacksonville at the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, Jacksonville was awesome yesterday, but uh, I think the Chargers bounced back. Give me the Chargers for 13. I have the Chargers for 13 as well. Herbert has broken ribs, but it helps that it's uh, he gets 10 days off instead of just seven. Um, Chargers for 13. Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Huge win for the Cardinals yesterday. I was starting to think they stink. I know mm-hmm. they're without a lot of guys, especially wide receivers, uh, Hopkins and Rondell Moore. But um, Rams about choked one against the Falcons yesterday, but I think they got a wake-up call. Give me the Rams for seven. I have the Rams for 10, I think. Uh, yeah, they about choked that away, but uh, I just think they're better than the Cardinals. Falcons at Seattle. <clears throat> Both teams stink. Mm-hmm. Um, a bird team's got to win this game. Give me the Falcons for six. I have the Seahawks for four. It's just something about uh, the 12th man there. I have a hard time. Even when they suck, I have a hard time picking against Seattle at home for whatever reason. I know. Uh, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Even with the news of Mike Evans being suspended for this game or most likely suspended, I still think Tampa Bay has too many weapons. Give me the mm-hmm. Buccaneers, but only for one. I think this is a really good game. I have Tampa Bay for 12. Um, I think they handle Green Bay pretty good. Wow. Uh, pretty well. So uh, Sunday night game this is a fun, fun one. <laughs> 49ers at Denver. 
I don't know why I do this to myself. Broncos for 11. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think the 49ers are very good, even with Jimmy G back. Give me Denver for three. Yeah. Should yeah. handle him. No, uh, I, I'm not going to say anything about should when you barely beat the Texans and lose to Seattle. So. <laughs> Dallas at the New York football giants who are 12 or 12, two and oh, they're going to be three and oh, give me the G man for three. I have, I have the uh, Dallas Cowboys for 11. All right. Yeah, it's going um, one way or the other actually, for us this week. So. You know, uh, I, I don't, I have not done a book it yet. So this will be the J-Man's book of prediction of the week. The Dolphins will beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you can take it to the bank. Book it. Uh, J-Man's book of prediction of the week brought to you by Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance Agent Travis Watching for Life, Home, Auto, Business, Renters, Workers' Comp, and Farm Insurance. Contact Travis at 219-869-4561. His email is travis.watching at infb.com. Book it. I have two more things before we close. One's a little trivia question get your veggies i didn't do that yet no <laughs> better late than never uh my girlfriend wanted this to be the birdie or bogey question but i thought this was way too hard but we were talking about penalties yesterday and she asked me who has the most who has the record for most uh penalties in an nfl game what team so Seems i like had to it, look it up it's gotta be the raiders it is the raiders in 2016 they had 23 why why wasn't it I, I would have got a birdie. I didn't think I, – I was like, ah, that's too hard. I the, I vaguely remember the Raiders having a game where they had almost 20 penalties. That's why I said that. The combined records, the Seahawks and – I want to say it was the Buccaneers, but maybe the Buccaneers weren't in the league yet. It was Seahawks and somebody in like mm. 76 combined for 39 penalties. That game had to take five hours. And uh, last thing I heard today on the call on the herd with Colin Coward – that um, and I wasn't on Twitter much today, so I, I didn't see this. That uh, the NBA is going to lower the uh, rule from 19 to 18 starting in 2024, yeah. so players can jump again in high school. I've been a proponent for this for years. Yeah, so. I, I I don't think if it's passed yet, but that is something they want to pass in okay. the C, new CBA, which I assume they will pass it because I saw that too. Uh, so guys can jump. It'll be interesting now that you can actually make money off yourself in college because guys will probably make some more money in college than they would in rookie deal. Uh, depending, I mean, if you're an elite level player yeah. and are going to be a top five pick or something, no, but uh, it, it makes it more interesting. I'm all for decision. it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So. Thanks for watching the Tan and J-Man show live on the ISC Sports Network. We'll be back at it next Monday. Have a fantastic week, everybody.